1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Canadian's Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio, keeping you informed, engaged, and entertained. My name is Joseph Whalen. I'm going to be your host for the next hour. And uh, this is episode 65 of the Canadian's Connection podcast, the Andrew Shaw edition. And I'm pleased to be joined in studio, as always, by the Andrew Shaw to my Ron Hainsey, Mr. Rick Stevens. Uh, How are you doing today, Rick?
2: I'm doing great. And uh, happy New Year to you. Happy New Year to uh, all of our listeners. Um, hope that everyone enjoyed the the holidays had a merry christmas had a great new year's with uh family and friends and and um just to say that that uh we're very grateful uh and cognizant of the fact that that uh, people have choices and we're glad that you've made uh us one of your choices and uh as we move into this new decade we uh I- unless you want to quibble about it you know not happening till next year but but um yeah <laughs> as we move, move to the new decade um i i mean i just took some some time to think back of of where were we uh, a decade ago and and uh you know this is uh rocket sports media has has kind of come out of nothing come out of the ashes and and um and started from scratch and and uh here we are today uh after 10 years we're kind of uh a recognized name a recognized brand, brand. we're credentialed in in uh, at every level of hockey and and uh, uh, we're committed to uh, providing you with information you need to know uh, and information you can trust lots of lots of choices out there but you know that if uh, we're telling you something it's something you can trust so um, we're excited for 2020 we've got some new things happening And uh, I'm excited, and I'm excited for this podcast because there's a whole lot to talk about today.
1: Boy, oh boy, is there ever. And, you know, going into this week, you know, going back to last week, we we go off the air and the Montreal Canadiens are down in Florida getting ready for a back-to-back, a tough back-to-back against the Lightning and the Florida Panthers. And, man, if if, (laughs) we don't go through this last week, I mean there's just been so much and it, there would have been enough for us to talk about if we had just talked about the road trip and the conclusion of the road trip in Carolina, but then Thursday night happens and we're going to get to that in segment two, when the Montreal Canadians made a pair of trades within the span of about half what what it was at most half an hour, but it was like probably like 10 minutes total. It was just back to back the Montreal Canadians making two trades. And then the next morning, the next day they sign Ilya Kovalchuk and as I said we're going to get to all of that but the Canadians also played a game on Thursday night against the Tampa Bay Lightning again uh, but just briefly to recap the week for the Montreal Canadiens the games played because we're going to get into the other stuff a little bit later on but the Montreal Canadiens as I say they start out down in Florida uh, they start in, in Tampa Bay they uh, play a game against the Lightning they lose that five to four and they jumped out to an early two-goal lead, uh, let that slip away, allowing four unanswered goals. It, uh, it wasn't a, a very pretty night in uh, in Tampa Bay for the Montreal Canadiens. Um, they followed that up the next night with a 6-5 loss to the Florida Panthers. Um, Jonathan Huberto, man, he had himself a night with four points. Uh, Nick Suzuki put up three assists. I mean, he's continued his strong play. If there's a positive to be taken out of, the four-game losing streak, and even before that, if there's been a positive to take out of the Montreal Canadiens up-and-down season, I think Nick Suzuki has emerged as maybe the top reason uh, for, for some optimism, some hope. Um, but regardless, they lose that game 6-5. to five. They move on to Carolina, and uh, in steps Charlie Lindgren for a start that I, I'm not quite sure many had anticipated uh, he would get, but regardless, he's thrown in there, and He had not played for uh, quite some time, but he looked sharp in that one. Um, 33 saves uh, in his season debut. Unfortunately, the Habs lose, and and in the process, they do also lose Brendan Gallagher, which we'll touch on in just a moment. And then, as I said, on Thursday night, after making those two trades uh, just before the game, I mean, they they play the Tampa Bay Lightning again. And uh, as you mentioned in your recap, I think that this was the game that showcased the argument for quality versus quantity in just about the best possible way.
2: <laughs> yeah, it was um it, it was certainly a goaltending matchup and um uh, as I said Vasilevsky was busy. Um he was the busier of the two goaltenders, but Kerry Price certainly had the uh tougher chances to deal with, the 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 greater number of high danger uh chances and uh the canadians were um you know fire from the blue line and head back to to defend kind yeah. of thing <laughs> i got a ton of shots on vasilevsky but uh, um as as uh, i included the the heat map in in the uh game recap they were nowhere near the the tampa bay net uh all all game long
1: yeah and that's what that's the difference right i mean the montreal canadians certainly listen they they were right there with, with Tampa Bay uh, from an effort standpoint, but I mean, an effort standpoint, that's not going to do it. There's, this is not the time for moral victories for the Montreal Canadians. You know, you need to be able to capitalize on your opportunities. And I mean, if you go back to the game against the lightning just uh, last week um, in Tampa Bay at Amelie arena, they are, they're up to nothing. I mean, and they outshoot the lightning. Like they, they were, all over them in the early going but you have to be able to capitalize on your opportunities and they weren't able to do that and then the lightning come back and they score those four unanswered and then in that game just a couple of nights ago that's it's it's the same it's the same kind of story where the lightning are operating in in those high danger areas montreal doesn't really get to those high danger areas they just kind of put a lot of of quantity onto the net and that's going to be the result more often than not. You might squeak a couple of results, but it's, it's not going to bear a whole lot of fruit if you continue to just do that, just float on the outside and, and put pucks on, on that. These are, these are good quality goaltenders in the NHL, especially Andre Vasilevsky. Um, but moving on, um, because as I said, in the Carolina game, not only the Montreal Canadiens lose the game, um, they also lose Brendan Gallagher. And when it rains, it pours because the Montreal Canadiens, man, they have had some hard luck when it comes to injuries. We just talked about last week with Joel Armia. And now here we are with Brendan Gallagher, a guy that's put up 30 goals in each of the last two seasons. And it just it keeps coming for the Montreal Canadiens.
2: That's right. It's it's you know the injuries are something that um uh, every team experiences and uh uh you know it it was funny i thought that um last season um the canadians were relatively free of injury yeah um, other yeah. than than shea weber to start the season but for the most part they had a, a very uh uh a light kind of uh the number of transactions number of call-ups uh, were minimal and uh, and and very uh, low in terms. Of, I think I'll have to check my notes, but 26, 27th in the league in terms of games lost. So, um, you know, you had at the end of, of the year last year, you had fans saying, uh, "Okay, well, um, we we have t- uh, 96 points this year, so um, each player will have gained another years of ex- another year of experience." And uh, that means that uh, oh, add five, seven points, uh, maybe ten points to uh, that total, and on you go. Um, yeah. <laughs> and it doesn't it doesn't work out that way. And and um, I always remember Paul Maurice, uh, the head coach of the Winnipeg Jets, say, "They're not going to seed you. They're they doesn't matter what you accomplished last year." Uh, all of that gets a race, and you start from scratch you're not you're not anything for earning what you did uh the previous year yeah. um, and part of the reason for that is injuries and the Canadians uh maybe are having a more typical injury um, season this year and uh and and we said uh at the beginning of the year that that listen you cannot count on the Canadians having such an injury uh, an injury-light season like they did last year and uh, that's unfortunately that's uh that's proving true.
1: And just a it's a terrible play with Brendan Gallagher just gets tangled up with Jordan Stahl, and Stahl pushes him down, kind of hits him and just right into Ben Cherot's knee, his head goes and it's just that that's just an awful play. And and we had to wait on the, the confirmation that it was a concussion, but I mean, you could see that Brendan Gallagher did not look right in that moment when he was just on the, on his knees. So um, it, it's unfortunate news for the Montreal Canadians, especially to lose a guy like Brendan Gallagher, who has been uh, one of the more consistent Canadians. But uh, as, as we talked about the, the first lines production was, was not at it wasn't at a great spot uh, with, with the tatar deno no Gallagher line. So, but regardless, even, even with that, that's a huge loss for Montreal. But as you said, yeah, we talked about this where last year a lot goes right for the Montreal Canadians and they get those 90, 96 points. And it's because of guys having career years it's, and, and because they, they avoided major injury. Um, and, and now uh, this season, it's just kind of come one after the other and it, it's been difficult for them to really get anything going, but that's, that's it. That's the NHL. That's professional sports. You have to deal with those kind of things. Um yeah and yeah. um
2: you know the difficult thing for Gallagher is uh given that it's a concussion uh con- the the recovery for a concussion can vary widely. Yes. Right? Yeah. Um we have no idea. We've seen uh, guys come back in a week and and others um it linger uh for uh, a lengthy period. Um, and, um, you look at Noah Juleson and the dif- difficulties he's having and, um, we just don't know. And, and that's, that's the difficulty for the Canadians and, and Gallagher, uh, some have argued that, um, you know, maybe the, the Canadians, uh, best player in the first half. That was, that's our question of the week, uh, yeah. today is, um, we're at the midpoint and we're going to be talking about where the Canadians kind of. Uh, have ended up in the standings midway uh, through the season um, in just a minute here but uh, our Canadians que- uh, connection question of the week is uh, at the midpoint of the season who was the best player for the Habs and uh, you can, you can uh, text us at 585-3ROCKET five eight five three rocket you can call into the show 213-943-3754 or uh, we're going to be reading your replies from social media uh, in the uh, last segment of today's show
1: yeah and and as you mentioned i guess we'll we'll get into where the montreal canadians find themselves right now Uh, the atlantic division is quickly getting a little bit out of reach for the montreal canadians uh you have boston who's always been at the top they've got 59 points you have toronto with 51 points and tampa bay with 48 points The montreal canadians currently find themselves with 42 points through 41 games uh the lightning still have two games in hand on the montreal canadians and they have 48 points right now so it's beginning to look as though the, the atlantic division it's still it's still there it's still there but it's becoming a lot less likely for the montreal canadians to get one of those three spots and as far as the wild card goes uh, well, you've got the Florida Panthers, who we just saw a couple of uh, nights ago last week, uh, last weekend, with 47 points. But as of right now, you have the Hurricanes, who we saw, and the Philadelphia Flyers occupying those two wild card spots with 50 points and 49 points, respectively, and the Panthers with 47 points right behind them. It's 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 tight enough that the Montreal Canadiens are still in the picture, but that could quickly go the other way and as we've seen it's kind of been trending in that direction with four consecutive losses so i mean where do the canadians stand as far as chances to make the playoffs
2: that's that's the difficulty and um when we when we take a look at the uh playoff projections from um uh the athletic and we've talked before that they they run these simulations um and uh right now uh, they're projecting the Canadians to finish with uh, 88 points. Um, our projections at the beginning of the year were around 92. Uh, I think uh, we came out around 92 yeah. thereabouts. Um, so the Athletic is saying that the um, Montreal Canadiens have about a 12% chance of making the playoffs at, uh, as of today. Uh, yeah. that's that's pretty tough and and you can see why they're they're coming to that kind of conclusion um, the canadians right now are are 24th overall in the nhl um, uh, you know as you said 42 points in 41 games uh that's about a 439 winning percentage uh in the first half and, and in that half the 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 uh major injuries i guess um would have to be to Dren and, and Byron, and now you add on top of that uh, Gallagher and Armia, um, and the Canadians in order to make the playoffs have to be around a 6.59 winning percentage. Uh, that's that's equivalent to what the, the Washington Capitals did in the first half of the season. So, um, you know, the 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 one thing that uh, when you look at the standings. Uh, that kind of separates the Canadians R- right now, as I said, they're 24th uh, overall. If you're looking up, they're seven points out of a final uh, wildcard s- spot right now that that's occupied by the Flyers. Um, you know, at one time we had talked about, uh, maybe it'll be easier to get uh, a second or third in the Atlantic, in the Atlantic than a wild card. And then uh, the Leafs and the Lightning kind of went on their streaks. The The Leafs are, uh eight wins of the last 10 lightning seven wins of the last 10 something like that uh in behind boston so um it's looking like the canadians if they're going to make the playoffs are going to need to focus on that wild card uh but seven points out of a wild card position uh, but yet six points out of the 30th overall which is um, uh, belongs to new jersey and no one's going to touch uh Detroit for that last position they're going to no. they're going to own that all to themselves I think uh the way they're playing but um 7 points out of out of uh, looking up 6 points out of near the bottom looking down so uh and but I was going to say that what what separates the Canadians from uh the other uh grouping um along the bottom is their uh goal differential and whereas many of those teams are are well into the double digits negatively for a goal differential Uh, Montreal's at minus one and that's because Carey Price criticize them all you want it's not as bad as you think folks Carey Price has been keeping them in games and the Canadians right now are at a minus one differential Uh, and that's that's maybe the stat that gives them hope uh, to say that it's it's easier to move up than than uh, than moving down uh, over this second half
1: Yeah. And I mean, talking about the Atlantic Division, as you said, I think we had that conversation in December. We were talking about how the Atlantic Division has just been this really weird up and down where all the teams have kind of struggled. No one's really found their footing except for the Boston Bruins um, who had a stranglehold from basically the jump. But uh, the Leafs and the Lightning were two teams that we talked about as having a little bit they have a higher ceiling. They, They have that talent level, that you know what? If there's any team that's going to jump out and and establish themselves as that second team in the Atlantic or that third team in the Atlantic, you'd have to put money on those two teams just because of, of what we've, we we saw last year and and you know the the talent level that they have. It's it's just it was a lot to ask the Montreal Canadiens to grab one of those spots. But the the wild card is going to be all the is probably going to be just as tough, given the fact that the Carolina Hurricanes listen the montreal canadians only lost by two but it, it felt like it was a lot more than that when the uh, it felt like the the uh, hurricanes had them at, at arm's length for most of the night it didn't really feel like it was a, a tight game it kind of felt like the the hurricane dictated most of the of that game so it's it's going to be tough and and as you say the percentage chance shows that it's going to be very tough for the montreal canadians to make the playoffs this year but we've seen they, some they, strange things yeah
2: they have to go on um they have to play unlike they played in the first half. They, they yeah. have to play <laughs> excellent hockey to, to have a chance. And, and we had um, Mark Bergevin um, when he was speaking about the trades, and we'll get to that. Um, he talked about uh, the injuries uh, a little bit and said, um, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm not quoting, I'm paraphr- paraphrasing here, um, if not for, for injuries, we would be in a playoff position. Uh, and and he said, uh, you know, I I'm, I'm not saying that uh, we're still close, and, and I'm not saying it's out of reach, but um, in his mind, um, if not for the injuries, um, the Canadians would be in a in a playoff position, and um, you know uh, that struck people kind of uh, like the excuses were starting to roll out quite early here. Yeah, that this is kind of an end of season um uh excuse and um listen uh, injuries fa- affect uh all teams um lots of teams um and far more significantly to than um then some of uh, than the canadians injuries um you look at at at, at the leafs and 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 uh marnerov and and uh Hyman and and tabaras john tabaras yeah uh, um, you look at, at the Penguins coming in tonight, uh, with, with Crosby out for, for a time. And you, you look at all of these, these teams who, um, you know, blaming your, your, uh, I, I don't know. I just, I just can't agree that, uh, um, you, you blame injuries and, and, um, um, I got a text from, from my brother and, and he's, um. He's the smartest guy as far as NFL football uh, that I know. And, and, uh, and, and he was kind of relating it to uh, – it, it's no secret I'm a Vikings fan and they're, they're facing the, the Saints uh, in the wild card tomorrow. And he talked about the Saints and, and their path uh, to the wild card game. And uh, pretty tough when you lose Drew, Drew Brees. Uh, pretty tough. And uh, Teddy Bridgewater has to go in. Uh, and yeah. as a Vikings fan, we know Teddy Bridgewater all too well. <laughs> the, <laughs> the dumpster fire that was Teddy Bridgewater. And somehow the saints went five and O without drew Brees, And, and that certainly um, they were able to continue and, and, and make the playoffs, even though they lost, you know, their leader, their, their, their most important player. Um, and, and, and that player having such a significant impact. And so, um, you know, I, I, I just don't buy this, and, and I, I'm going to find a tweet here, cause, uh, and I'm going to thank uh, the gentleman who sent it. Uh, here he is, Peter M. Um, at, on Twitter is Greek Arrow, and um, he, he, he provided a, a, a map, a chart of uh, man games lost versus teams win, team wins uh, right up until January 2nd. And he's he's uh, taking this from the website mangamesloss.com. Um, and it's it's looking at um, um, the number of man games and, uh, lost to injury and uh, team wins, um, and challenging this notion from Bergevin. If not for injuries, we would be in in um, a playoff position. And and for me, that was kind of Bergevin's kind of self preservation mode. I have an excuse. I have a get out of jail free card here. Um, And he says, um, um, Peter says, um, 15 teams, that's half of the league, have had more man games lost than the Canadians. And only four of those teams had less wins than the Canadians. So somehow, half of the teams in the league are coping, are able to cope um, with and and absorb these injuries and still still win. Um, Yeah and and that speaks to the way this this particular canadians team has been uh this canadians roster has been assembled i would say
1: and i mean you look at the colorado avalanche as well as they were without their captain for a long spell and then uh, kale mccarr who's who figures to be a guy who could win rookie of the year so that that's it's it's every team has to deal with it at some point and it's how you how you evolve how you change and 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 kind of Uh, figure out ways to win games, even when you are shorthanded. But uh, moving on, because uh, I think this is probably going to be the point where Montreal Canadians fans uh, keep their eyes on the future because uh, it might be a little bit brighter than what's, what's to come in the next uh, couple of weeks. Uh, But uh, the world juniors, uh, the the team USA, which uh, had two Canadians prospects in uh, Cole Caulfield and Jordan Harris, uh, they were eliminated in uh, the quarterfinals by Team Finland. And um, it was not maybe the tournament that people had envisioned for Cole Caulfield. He only had a goal and an assist in five games. Jordan Harris picked up a goal. Uh, It it was not the the end that people had envisioned for this American team that looked very uh, strong top to bottom. And um, yeah, but they are, they went home. Uh, they are gone. They are done from this this tournament, but uh, Alex Romanoff on the bright side for Habs fans and team Russia are going to be playing in the gold medal game. So there will be a uh, top Habs prospect in the gold medal game at the very least.
2: The, um, uh, the question for many of the teams, including team Canada has been goaltending and it, it would have been argued uh, that the U S had, uh, the best gold tender in the tournament in Spencer Knight, uh, but even that was wasn't enough uh, to uh, get them into a, a medal position. Um, as far as uh, Cole Caulfield, um, uh, listen, um, I, I think it was um, uh, kind of what was expected. Um, it's uh it's a best on best tournament um there was some great talent on that US team that maybe um um uh, you know our Habs fans uh, haven't paid attention to and we talked last week about Zegras and and Shane Pinto and 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 others um and uh, Kaliev uh, even um as yeah. far as snipers go and and uh there was this kind of m- misnomer this myth that the Canadians have uh, you know uh, hands down the top prospects in in the NHL and, and that, uh, you know, other teams don't. And, and it's, it's just not true. Um, uh, Top 10 in prospects. Oh, maybe I'll I'll give you that. Yeah. uh, Yeah. There was reasons that Caulfield slipped down to the draft. There was reasons that some scouts had him uh, going in the second round. And I think we saw that, that, that Cole Caulfield is an absolute sniper. He's a goal scorer and he's excellent at what he does, but, there's other aspects of his game that he needs to work on, whether it's defensively, whether it's even helping create opportunities, uh, which yeah. he wasn't able to do uh, in this tournament. Uh, and he'll have um, the rest of the season in Wisconsin uh, to do that under t- Tony Granato. And and uh, let's again, let's have patience, let's be realistic, let's let's uh, uh, let these prospects develop. And uh, and I think if anything. Um, the uh, the the performance by Cole Caulfield in the the World Juniors is just kind of uh, bringing some um, fans down to earth with respect to their expectations.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it's always kind of a, a good thing to have a, a difficult uh, tournament to kind of refresh and refocus and, and realize that there's still a long way to go for for a young player. You know, sometimes you need to have something like that happen, and, and maybe the uh, the best is is truly yet to come for Cole Caulfield. Um, but uh, moving on, uh, we do have two things: uh, two congratulations, I, I guess, for uh, Shea Weber, who's going to be headed to the All Star Game in, in St. Louis, and uh, Carey Price, who was uh, voted or who won the Molson Trophy uh, for uh, the Molson Cup for the month of of you know, uh, December. So. It's a back-to-back months for Carey Price, uh, but I mean, at the end of the day, I don't know if they were going to give it to anybody else. <laughs> yeah,
2: um, yeah. Again, a short memories. Uh, Carey Price had a, a, a very strong uh, December once yeah. again, as he's done in the past, uh, and a deserving uh, winner there. Uh, Shea Weber is is uh, having a. a, a a Norris Trophy uh, kind of first half to his season, and uh, perhaps the best um, uh, of the Canadians for the first half. You tell us in our question yeah. of the week uh, who who was your uh, candidate there, uh, but uh, uh, very uh, uh, deserving. Weber going to uh, this year's All Star game.
1: Yeah, and as Rick said, we're, we're going to take a quick break here, but still to come, we have the question of the week that he just mentioned at the midway point of the season. Who was the best player for the Habs? We're going to get to those answers a little bit later on this show, but before we get there, we're going to talk about the pair of trades that happened on Thursday involving defensemen and the signing of Ilya Kovalchuk. So stay with us here on the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio.
0: Rocket Sports Media is currently recruiting talented, motivated, and committed people to join our team. If you're a student wishing to gain experience, a young professional interested in broadening your credentials, an experienced hockey mind looking for a platform to share your expertise, or a passionate fan looking to contribute to our publications by connecting with fellow hockey fans, we want to hear from you. We are specifically interested in individuals who have education and or experience in the following areas, sports writing, translation, editing, forum administration, social media administration, multimedia, graphic design, web development and user support, event planning, and sponsorship and marketing. If you are bright, loyal, passionate, and willing to dedicate yourself to a remarkable team, visit allhabs.net and click the Join Our Team tab today.
1: We're back here on the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. This is episode 65 of the Canadians Connection podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Joela19. You can follow Rick at AllHabs, and you can follow at HabsConnection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Uh, so, Rick, before we get into the trades, the signing. Uh just kind of want to talk a, a little bit about goaltending because I know that it's been something of a, of a hot button issue, especially when it, as it pertains to the goaltenders uh, down in Laval. And last night was a, a nice performance from Caden Primo.
2: Nice performance from Caden Primo. Um, uh, listen, he's, um, he's, 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 he struggled uh, to, to put it politely uh, over, um, uh, you know, there was a stretch of seven or eight starts there where he was, Routinely giving up five and, and the last two starts he has been very strong. Um and and last night uh picking up the uh, the shutout. Um so great for, for Caden Primo. Now you know, let's let's again tamp things down a bit. That doesn't mean we're saying uh bring him up, let him go through these ups <laughs> and downs and learn and, uh, you know, let, let, let's uh, let him develop as a prospect, enjoy the successes, work his way through the, the struggles. Um, that's, that's what Caden Primo needs. And, and uh, you know, I, I, again, uh, it's, it's kind of funny uh, that um, we talk about uh, you and I prior to the show, we're talking about some, some bad signings and, and there's no question that, Keith Kincaid was a mistake a big mistake uh in the off season and I think the the Canadians would uh, would admit that given the the way where where Keith Kincaid is now um but um uh, if Keith Kincaid was not signed it would be kind of the way that uh you and I had drawn it up for the season Carey Price the starter Charlie Lindgren um as as the backup and Charlie was outstanding Charlie Lindgren was, I, I know you didn't hear about it because the mainstream media barely spoke about it, but against the Hurricanes, uh, Charlie Lindgren was uh, outstanding, a save percentage in that game of 943. Um, and, and we knew he had it all the time. But uh, again, looking at the overall organization, then in, in um, Laval, if, um, if Mr. Kincaid wasn't signed, you'd have a perfect matchup. Uh, with um, uh, Caden Primo getting his, his starts and Michael McNiven, Michael McNiven uh, on paper was recalled to Laval from Jacksonville and the ECHL um, uh, this past week. Uh, why was that? Well, um, uh, the Jacksonville Icemen are the affili- the ECHL affiliate of the Winnipeg Jets, the Winnipeg Jets, um, Uh, they had uh, a goaltender Griffin outhouse up with the Manitoba moose. Um, And uh, when it was his time to come back and all the shuffling happened there, uh, the Iceman said, listen, uh, we got to put our prospects first. Uh, You'll have to find somewhere else for uh, Michael McNibbin, um, uh, the Montreal Canadiens. And without having that ECHL affiliate, which uh, you and I spoke about uh, a couple weeks back in the podcast, uh, puts the Canadians in a tough spot. It's a real tough spot for McNiven as he gets bounced around from Adirondack to Jacksonville. And, and now he's hanging out in Jacksonville waiting for his, his new assignment where the Canadians can negotiate his next, you know, uh, ECHL team. Uh, it would have been so much easier, uh, so much more effective, so much better for development. If uh, Michael yeah. McNiven had, uh, uh, if Keith Kincaid hadn't have been signed, Michael McNiven, Uh, In uh, Laval uh, for the full season And just while we're talking about goalies And uh, goalie prospects We see that uh, Zach Fucali Fresh off of uh, A a pretty spectacular performance At the Spengler Cup um, Is now part of the Tampa Bay Lightning uh, organization And has uh, been very good In the ECHL uh, this season He just was recalled uh, by the Syracuse crunch uh, and the Syracuse crunch are the visitors tonight in um, Place Belle. Uh They're playing uh, Laval tonight at seven o'clock full coverage uh, from our AHL report crew as always.
1: And it's great to see uh, Zach Fukali find some success and uh, back in the AHL. It's great to see. Um, but you mentioned uh, Keith Kincaid and, a a poor contract, a poor decision made by the Montreal Canadiens to sign Keith Kincaid to that contract when they had guys who, like a guy like Charlie Lindgren who was prepared for that opportunity who had shown in his 18 games prior to this season that he was prepared for that opportunity but for whatever reason Montreal went out and signed a guy like Keith Kincaid to that contract and it just kind of goes in with a lot of other guys for the Montreal Canadiens one of which was Mike Riley, who we had talked about on this podcast last summer as a, as a contract that really did not make a whole lot of sense uh, for the Montreal Canadiens to sign him, not only for this season but next season as well. The Montreal Canadiens freed themselves of that contract when they traded Mike Riley to the Ottawa Senators in exchange for a fifth in 2021 and forward Andrew Sturtz. Um Ottawa's kind of in a position now where they, they wanted to allow Eric Brandstrom to develop in Belleville so they just needed to get a guy and Mike Riley is a guy who can take a little bit off the plate of Thomas Shabbat who's been playing just just every basically every every night about 30 minutes a game for the Ottawa Senators at this point Um, but they've quickly followed that up with a trade with the uh, with the Buffalo Sabres a fourth in 2020 that belongs originally that belonged originally to the San Jose Sharks for defenseman uh, Marco Scandella so you get rid of the extra year for Riley Scandela is a UFA at the end of this season so the Montreal Canadiens get a guy who I mean all things considered an upgrade over Mike Riley but beyond that uh, it's, it's a guy that you bring in it's, it's, it's a typical sort of a Van move which is kind of just a, if it's not a lateral move just a bit of a step up from a lateral move
2: uh, more or less. I mean, the comparisons to Mike Riley. Um, is he better than Mike R- uh, uh, Marco Scandella? That is, is he better than uh, Mike Riley? Of course he is. But um, uh, that isn't a comparison because Mike Riley was in the press box, <laughs> so he yeah. wasn't playing. He's <laughs> not a factor. Um, uh, so uh, you know, Bergeron made a mistake signing Mike Riley. That, that, that's that's clear. Bergeron made a mistake signing Christian Follen? Yes, of course. Uh, But if you put if you line these guys up in the press box, uh, Marco Scandella, does that mean he gets the uh, the first seat in the press box Uh, that he gets the biggest bowl of popcorn in the press box? I mean, those kind of comparisons are rather silly. It's you have to compare them with what's on the ice with with a a Victor Mata, with a um, a Brett Kulak. Um, And and, you know, that's about we're going to see um, uh, how that turns out. Uh, Marco Scandella was, um, t- to be fair, was, was not playing um, a, a lot in, in um, Buffalo. He has, uh, of the Buffalo's eight defensemen, and um, there was no secret uh, going even back to the offseason that Buffalo was trying to unload a defenseman uh, for a, a forward. And as Bob McKenzie said, they have an abundance of, of um, depth defensemen. They have uh, a a great depth of depth defensemen, I think the quote from Bob McKenzie was, which sounds like a Van kind of uh, team, right? (laughs) Um, And so they were trying to unload one of their depth defensemen and that would be uh, Marco Scandella, who was averaging, like I said, the lowest, he had the lowest average ice time of any of their eight defensemen. Um, Four um um his his career i mean he last season it was kind of a, a, a disastrous season for marco scandela but he's been playing better um under a uh, new head coach uh, ralph Kruger, uh but still not enough to uh, uh you know be a regular he had some healthy scratches and, and whatnot um so the the Buffalo was in that situation where they wanted a forward. This was kind of a two-step move, getting picks that they exchanged for uh, a forward. Um, how does it help the Canadians? Uh, well, Scandella, for now, is lined up um, with uh, Kale Fleury uh, on the third pairing, replacing Brett, Scu- uh, Brett Kulak. Uh, Victor Mehta uh, looks like will be with Jeff Petrie um i i saw some making the case that he's a top four defenseman no marco scandela is not a top four defenseman um would he have helped uh having him earlier uh i i suppose so it's certainly uh, um bringing him in would have been better than um you know the the other folks that that we've talked about um for me there's a little bit too much overlap with respect to uh, ben uh, marco Scandella, Um marco scandela you know he 's not going to give you a lot of offense uh defensively hmm um, he's been a you know hes he 's uh, he's a physical presence um, he 's not been great on the the penalty kill um, uh, was better last season actually on the penalty kill so um this is kind of uh okay this is a band aid move Um, A rental move, uh, fill the hole move uh, as uh, um, Scandella will be an unrestricted free agent um, at the end of the season, and then you're able to clear the decks and and make room for if, big if, if Romanoff joins the team uh, next season.
1: Yeah, and and I think that this might have been a move that happened regardless of whether or not the Canadians, you know, were were being so uh yeah, debilitated by injuries that's more up front than anything else, but I think that they were probably always going to make some sort of a move with the back end and it was always probably going to be to this scale, to to a, a kind of a, a guy that you weren't using. Trade him away, whether it be for the other defenseman or just to another organization, get him off your hands, and then make another separate deal like they did here for Marcos Gandela. It's, I think this was something that was always going to happen for Montreal. They they just seemed like they needed something of, of a little bit of a facelift on the back end. Ideally, it would have been a guy that could play a top two role, but uh, you know this is what the Montreal Canadiens have done over the years. They've stockpiled these depth pieces, these guys that maybe can't play up you know, to, a, to a top four role, but they get them anyways. They bring them in and, and they, they call it a day. But uh, the other move that was made this week, the other addition for the Montreal Canadiens was Ilya Kovalchuk, a 36-year-old Ilya Kovalchuk, who had his contract terminated in, in December uh, after, he was, after he cleared unconditional waivers. So they signed him to a one-year, two-way contract for the rest of the season. Worth seven hundred thousand in the NHL and seventy thousand in the AHL, and uh, also of note here for uh, for numbers wise, uh, Brett Kulak changed his jersey number from seventeen to seventy seven to clear the path for Ilya Kovalchuk to wear number seventeen. Um. So, I mean, Mark Bergevin talked to, talked to the media about this, and he seemed to be very adamant that, listen, this is, Ilya Kovalchuk is aware that this is his, his last kick at the can as it pertains to an NHL roster spot, so he will be prepared to, to go out there and play for the Montreal Canadiens to the best of his capabilities, but let's be realistic about what those capabilities are for a 36-year-old Ilya Kovalchuk and you know a lot of the conversation has been centered around oh well listen people were complaining about Jordan Wheel playing the power play Ilya Kovalchuk will likely take all of that time away from Jordan Wheel and again that is not the conversation that we should be having with respect to making this sort of an addition it isn't is Ilya Kovalchuk going to be a better power play player than Jordan Wheel it is how much better is he going to be and it, it's really tough to say, given what we saw from him in, in uh, Los Angeles.
2: And, and I think that's a good point, um, is, is kind of reviewing uh, what happened in Los Angeles to provide some context to this. Um, because it was a big deal when um, Ilya Kovalchuk signed a, um, a, a three-year contract with uh, the Los Angeles Kings, uh, 1st of July, uh, free agency day on 2018. Um, Kings were offering one more year than the Boston Bruins. Bruins were interested. Uh, so um, Koval, that's where Kovalchuk went. Uh, Three year contract, $18.75 million. And I came across a, a, an article by a, a, a Kings reporter. Um, and this is the way that signing was des- described. Um, Ilya Kovalchuk's run with the Los Angeles Kings has been a gigantic, complete, and colossal failure across the board, just the worst decision the Kings could have made. Um, so, uh, okay, let's, that, that kind of sets the tone. And, and um, you know when he was then uh, placed on waivers, unconditional waivers, um, it was described as a merciful end. Um, what had happened was that um, the last game that, that Ilya Kovalchuk played for the, the Kings uh, was on uh, November 9th. And um, oddly uh, that happened to be against the Montreal Canadians. Uh, Canadians won that game three to two. Kovalchuk was on the fourth line. Um, he had, uh, Um, gone nine games without a goal Um, and then for the next little while um, uh, he the the better part of the month um, he was a healthy scratch Kings coach uh, Todd McClellan had had scratched him over that five weeks so um, that led to the, the unconditional waivers, the termination of the contract, Kovalchuk becoming a UFA, and he was available, and he's been available for some time. And, and there was some conversation. Who's, who's um, uh, going to be interested? Are the, the Bruins going to go back and, and uh, look at him again? Uh, the, the Oilers uh, needing some, some pop up front. Maybe they would uh, get in the mix. Panthers, Islanders, Rangers, uh, Canadians. Um, and for a while, uh, it was pretty quiet. He was having a tough time um, yeah. uh, getting any kind of interest. Um, and and it was as as Mark Bergevan said, um, this is this is his last chance. It was uh, yes, uh, Kovalchuk was willing to sign the league minimum um, in order to uh, have one more chance uh, at at the game um even at that um you know if you listen to that bergevin uh press conference he wasn't gushing with enthusiasm um it was kind of okay this is last chance we'll see how this thing works out um and and i have to wonder um you know uh, there was an eight game losing streak that that we talked about in november and um Everybody was calling for something to happen. Was it, was it uh, you know, the firing of the general manager, the firing of the head coach, uh, a major trade? Something has to happen. You heard fans say, um, you know, something, just do anything. Um, and what happened, uh, the Canadians, after that eight-game losing streak, recalled Caden Primo. Uh, was that a hockey move? No, of course it wasn't. It was a distraction. And at the time, I talked about Caden Primo being used as the shiny bobble, and, and it worked. A, a marketing, it worked. Uh, all the distraction, all of the attention was focused on this shiny bobble on Caden Primo. Uh, and the Canadians got out of that losing streak, and it was forgotten. Now the Canadians are in the midst of a four game losing streak. Is bringing in Ilya Kovalchuk a hockey move? Well, no. Um, a curiosity? Maybe. Um, you know, lots of people are talking about this being low risk, but also, uh, you know, um, it's got a low reward kind of uh, a move. And, and, and for those fans who are saying, do something, just do anything, Kovalchuk is the answer to that. Um, yeah. Now, if you want to frame it in a positive way, uh, Kovalchuk's in and Dale Weiss is out. And so if that's the trade off you're making, um, then okay. Um, is he going, what's he going to do, though? What, what is he going to do? Um, you know, in, in Los Angeles, we've seen, uh, and maybe you haven't, uh, he's really struggled with the speed of the game. Ilya Kovalchuk in his prime. Speed was his game. Sure, his yeah. his shot, his release, but speed and and mobility was his game. He's lost that. He struggled with the speed of the game. He struggled with the pace of the game, and particularly the Canadians, who are a speed team. Um, it's going to be a challenge for him. Um, he's been um, a, a, a a defensive defense was never his game, but he's been a, he was a huge defensive liability for. Uh, the Kings uh, five on five. He was worst on on the the Kings with a 4.07 goals against per 60. Um, So why come to Montreal? Um, Is he going to be a power play specialist? Okay. We can, we can, we can live with a power play specialist. Uh, And you mentioned, uh, replace Jordan wheel on, on, on the power play. Well, let's look back in the last, uh, uh year uh, last year for for the um los angeles kings and the games that he's played this season uh Ilya kovalchuk has five goals in a season and a half on the power play jordan wheel yeah. has four jordan wheel has four power play goals in that same time period <laughs> So uh, is is this a, a boost to the power play, which has been pretty good this season? I don't it know. Has, I think yeah. it's more, I think this is more um, a move to prevent the the fans from running to the exits, so to speak. Um, you know, Mark Bergeron said, uh, we're not out of the playoffs yet. I still see, I, they're still in sight. We're going to evaluate w- um, what's going to happen um, over this next month, um, whether we're buyers or sellers. And, um this is this is maybe the shiny bauble. this is this is kind of a distraction and this is maybe one of the few moves that he had available um because at this point um kovalchuk you know he can't defend he isn't scoring enough to make up for his defensive liabilities his skating isn't there and the problem is like if you if you talk to the reporters in los angeles he's still in his mind he still sees himself as an elite player. That's, that's, that's what he sees. Um, Yeah. You know, and I, I talked to, I've, I've I've had lots, we've had more texts and emails on this issue. um, And maybe we'll get to some of that, but, um, and I've talked to, to, to fans and people in hockey. um, But there was, for me, there was one text that kind of summed it up uh, best, I think. Um, And it was from my nephew. Um he's he's a Canadiens fan. He's always been a Canadiens fan. He's born into a a Canadians household. Um he's in, he's in high school now, but when he was 5 or 6 years old, oh man. He was the biggest Ilya Kovalchuk fan on earth. And uh it came from him playing PlayStation. He loved yeah. Ilya Kovalchuk. And the funny thing is this Christmas, um his his most Uh, His best gift, and he sent me a photo, uh, was him in his brand new, spanking new, Ilya Kovalchuk uh, New Jersey Devils number 17 jersey, which he proudly showed off.
1: That's a nice
2: jersey. Um, Yeah. Um, But even he, even if he, (laughs) you know, biggest Kovalchuk fan there is, and his text to me was, you know, listen, when I was, that age when I, if this, if this had a happened um you know, 2011, 2012 kind of thing. Uh, he said, I'd be bouncing off the walls, uh, but the game has passed him by. He's not the scoring machine. He was that year. Yeah. It was 37 goals, 83 points. Um, and uh, he said to me, my nephew, that is, uh, this is just another typical Mark Van um signing whether it's a distraction whether it's an addition to the the fourth line this is a, a typical kind of move and um you know we'll, we'll we'll see we'll see how it works out
1: and and here's what i'll say about this i'm excited to see Ilya kovalchuk play for the montreal canadians there's curiosity there I'm gonna tune in and see Ilya Kovalchuk play, and it'll be more exciting than any other game has been over the last couple of weeks. That much I will guarantee you. Just to see what Ilya Kovalchuk is, even even if he is all of those things, even if he, the game has passed him by, if he's a liability, if he's no longer, I'm the part of me that's curious about Ilya Kovalchuk, the guy that was that guy in the 2011-2012, is still going to be intrigued by him being a Montreal Canadian. Yeah, but. This is the larger issue, though, is that as somebody that has followed this team over Mark Bergevin's time as general manager, I am, quite frankly, at my wits' end with these no-risk, low-risk signings, because this is what he has done every single year. If it's Alexander Semen, if it's P.A. Parenteau, if it's Mark Streit, if it's Alish Hemsky, if it's even Alexander Radulov that was done on Mark Bergevin's terms. It was a one-year deal to see what he had, even if it was at over $5 million. It was at Mark Bergevin's, it was on his terms. And his terms are usually attempts at improvement are are guys, and it's, it's a little bit generous to even classify this as an attempt at an improvement for a hockey club. But his attempts are often cheap, aging players who, who take you take a flyer on them because there's there's no risk there's no risk involved I can whatever happens there's no risk here we're going to be fine regardless and you know what no risk or low risk signings are fine when you're a piece or two away from being a legitimate contender but but that's not the Montreal Canadiens right now and that's what's that's what they've been in that's this perennial thing that they've always done is they've taken flyers on guys because there's no risk involved And at some point it's, it's easy to tell in professional sports when a coach, when a general manager, or when both are doing things to avoid failure rather than doing them because it's the best thing to do to win. And I would argue that you have to go back to 2016 for the last time Mark Bergevin did something that was a hockey move in an attempt to win an attempt to actually change the course of the hockey club and I'm not saying that every year Mark Bergevin has to make the trade that I'm talking about, the PK Suban for Shea Weber one. I'm not saying that he has to do that every year, but at some point you have to take risks because if you're just going to be the same thing every year, what is it they say about insanity? It's trying the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. And Mark Bergevin has done the same thing over and over and over again with respect to signing aging guys that are past the prime that, that the game has maybe passed them by, that they don't look like NHL players. He signed those guys to low-risk, no-risk deals like this one. That's a two-way contract. And he says, well, listen, there's no risk involved, so we're going to be fine. Regardless, we'll just see what he's got. And at some point, you have to look at what the larger issue is, and that is that the Montreal Canadiens have had very little talent to choose from with with respect to you know you you don't have a great team assembled so what do you do you go and you sign Ilya Kovalchuk midseason to distract from that and, and that's just been the big issue I think over the over Mark Bergerman's tenure I don't think there's been enough risk taken you know you you hear about no risk signings all the time it'd be great to see him actually take a risk and do and do something of consequence um, but yes it's it's not It's not that I'm not excited to see Ilya Kovalchuk play for the Montreal Canadiens just because that curiosity, like with your nephew, still exists within me to see what Ilya Kovalchuk would look like in a Montreal Canadiens jersey, but it's it's not 2012 anymore. It's a different time, and it's going to be a lot to expect Ilya Kovalchuk to come in at 36 years old, even if he still believes he's an elite-level talent guy. Um, it's going to be a lot to expect him to come in here and, and do much of anything, really. So, um, regardless, curiosity. We'll
2: we'll yeah, that. you you hit it. You hit it on the head. Um, I'm yeah. I'm
1: curious too. You know what I
2: would have been curious about is seeing Tamo Solani in a Montreal. I said that for years to see yeah. what it was like to to have Tamo Solani in a Canadians jersey matched up with Saku Koivu. Oh my goodness, I would have loved to have seen that. <laughs> um I was very lucky to to get for Christmas Temos Alani's my life book and I'm anxious to read it. Uh could could Tamu come in and step in uh right now uh in the Canadians lineup at I'm 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 guessing what his age is, mid 40s. Um, yeah. I don't know. I might be I I might be curious to see that too. Um <laughs> But um, in, in a Sportsnet article, um, there was uh, a quote from a scout about, about uh, uh, Ilya Kovalchuk. And it was after the game uh, that the Canadians played and won uh, at the Bell Center on the 9th of November. And it says, the scout's quote is, any team with actual scouts doesn't touch Kovalchuk. He can't move, doesn't want to move. And his shot, which used to be lethal, lethal is not good anymore. Um, curiosity, sure. But, um, you know, these uh, and, and, I, I, and the answer to that is, you know, this is a no-brainer. It's low risk. Uh, there's no impact. Um, and we've seen that that's uh, been false. I don't see Ilya Kovalchuk going to that there's any risk of, of him going to Laval. Uh, even though he's, he's, he's got a two-way contract. Um, I, 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 I don't think that interests him in the least, but we've seen a lot of these bad signings, these, what were, what were uh, peddled to us as these uh, no-brainer low-risk signings uh, stashed in, um, in Laval. And yes, it does have an impact. It has impeded the development of uh, prospects. Right now you have, well, um, Matthew Pecker was there earlier, he's on, uh, on uh, has an injury now, but um, uh taking up spots, Keith Kincaid uh, taking up spots, uh, Mike McCarron uh, uh, he's going nowhere, um, taking up a spot, and you look at you mentioned some of them, and we talked about it during the week, these, these signings uh, over Bergevin's te- tenure, and and the Mark Streit uh, one that I mentioned to you, uh, that was bizarre. Alish yeah. Hemsky, thought of as, as going to be a first-liner, went nowhere. Um, Anti Niami, bad, bad re-signing. Davis Drewiski, um, <laughs> a two-year contract co- extension. Uh, Pateri Nokalainen, does anybody even remember that name? Um, no. Cedric the Entertainer de Jardin. Uh Joey McDonald in goal. Do we remember these names? Do we remember these mistakes? Um it, it it's it's uh, Danny Briere uh, was supposed yeah, to come in Another and be, one. Uh, a star. Mike Blunden, Aaron Pelushi. I I just can't stand it with these these no risk uh don't worry about it signings.
1: Yeah. And uh well as long as Mark van's at the helm, I think we are guaranteed to see at least one of these a year. So uh, <laughs> we'll see how uh, how Ilya Kovalchuk uh, pans out for the Canadians uh, in the in the coming days and weeks. But uh, we'll take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll we'll we'll, just, we'll shift gears a little bit here, and we'll talk about the halfway mark of the season. We're at the midway point. Uh, who's been the best player for the Habs? We're going to get to some uh, answers, some responses to that question of the week. After a quick break, stay with us here on the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio.
0: The Canadians Connection is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com.
1: Back here on the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio, and we're going to get to some responses here for the uh, question of the week, which is at the midway point of the season, who was the best player for the halves? And uh, we've got some responses here on Twitter. We have Freddie who says, The bar isn't very high after an 18 to 23 first half, but in my mind, Gallagher edges Armia Dano as the most consistent, best overall forward. Tatar has been good offensively, but doesn't bring much the table as the other three in my opinion Weber clearly the team's top defenseman in the first half Uh, we have Blaine uh, from the Habs Unfiltered podcast saying Weber Deneau gets into that conversation too and then uh, Matt Smith uh, also from the Habs Unfiltered podcast saying easy choice here Shea Weber uh, plays big minutes against all teams and is having an incredible year statistically so yeah I mean I think that that's that's a given this is Shea Weber. He has been a steadying presence for the Montreal Canadiens. There's no doubt about that. And uh, Chris G says as much here, I think the best player has been Weber. I think that this is the best he's played since joining the Habs. And, uh, yeah, I don't think that there's, there's any arguing that. I think that, you know, he's, he's found his footing after some rough injuries. Uh, Brian, he says Weber for sure or Suzuki. And I think, yeah, like as I said earlier this show, Nick Suzuki. If you're looking at a bright spot for the Montreal Canadiens in you know the up and down season that has been the roller coaster ride that we've been on, Nick Suzuki has gotten more and more comfortable and has emerged as a as a real bright spot for this team. And I think it's fair to put him in that conversation. But yeah, it's it's kind of been that that kind of a, a thing on on Twitter with respect to where people believe Montreal's best player is. And it seems that most can agree that Shea Weber at the very least has been the best defenseman uh, most saying that he has been the uh, best player at the midpoint of the season. But uh, what about Facebook?
2: Yeah, I think Facebook for the most part is uh, right on board with that. Uh, Art Pollard says uh, Weber, no question. Um, Garth Asham says uh, Brendan Gallagher and Carrie Price. Um John Austin says uh, Weber or Armia and Joel Armia uh, is um, he's probably been one of the more impactful forwards. Um, Don Malosh says Suzuki. Uh, Phil Morris says Galley. Um, Quint Lucier says Shea Weber uh, or Gallagher. Um, Gavin Maxton says Shea Weber. And it's not even close. Um, I would, I would say, uh, uh, that's, that's accurate. Kristen, Kristoff, sorry, Godin says, you know, um, Deno for me has been a, a disappointment. And, um, I was reading Mark on uh, Godin in, in the athletic and talking about just, um, you know, Deno was in the, the Selkie conversation last year, not near the top, but he was in the, the, the conversation and, and he's, uh, he's taken a step back this year. Uh, let's be honest on that. Uh, you know, offensively he's been fine, but uh, on that top line, getting lots of minutes, but uh, defensively, where where he's supposed to act as a shutdown, um, you know that that was where um, uh, Gooden and and I, uh, you know, we we agree um, his mistakes in the defensive zone coverage have been uh, regular. Um, his inability to to break out of the zone. Um, and, and, and definitely on the penalty kill, the Canadians, uh, we spoke about this earlier, the Canadians, um, have, uh, have been dreadful on the, on the penalty kill. And, and much of that comes from, uh, the forwards and, and their inability to, uh, close the gaps. And in particular with Deneau, who has been one of the best faceoff um, guys five on five for the Canadians, uh, his, his numbers are terrible, uh, well shorthanded. Uh, on the draw at only 45%. So, um, I would say um, uh, that Deneau has kind of uh, been in the middle of the pack. Um, I would my get my pick for uh, um, uh, best of the the first half would be Shea Weber. And um, it, it wasn't in our question, but but who do you think who who would you put in that worst category? Who who had a really tough uh, first half of the season for the Canadians?
1: Well, I mean, there's, there's some guys that you can certainly throw in there. There's, there's a lot of competition, I think, for that one, maybe more than, than best. But uh, <laughs> I think it's just kind of – it's got to be the fact that you go into this season and, and Keith Kincaid comes in and he talks about playing between 20 and 25 games uh, to give Carey Price some rest, and he doesn't look like an NHL-caliber goaltender. And since he's been demoted to the AHL, hasn't really looked like even an AHL caliber goaltender. He just looks like a guy that's completely lost confidence in himself. And there was, there was nothing last year that he showed. And I know that after he got traded to Columbus, it was kind of limited, but I mean, there was nothing last year that showed that this, this wouldn't happen. You know, he didn't show, there was nothing that he showed last year that suggested there was any other way that this signing would turn out. And yet, the Montreal Canadiens still signed him to a one-year, one-point-seven-five million-dollar deal. Um, we talked about a lot of contracts that were signed earlier the show. They got rid of one and Mike Riley, who probably would have been high on that on that list as well. But I think that's that's got to be the most disappointing, given that he talked about the expectations that he set for himself, and they clearly were not going to be met. You could tell that from. The, the puck drop really on on, on his season. It, it just wasn't it wasn't a pretty sight watching him play goaltender for the Montreal Canadiens.
2: Um yeah, I'd I'd agree with that. And and you'd have to lump in um Mark Bergervan and Stefan Waite into that yeah. because they were the ones who uh were somehow convinced that Keith Kincaid was the answer, paid him a very generous uh uh salary and uh, as we talked about earlier Probably would have worked out much better if you had, uh, if they had promoted uh, Lindgren and then would have had uh, a nice combination of of Primo and McNiven uh, in Laval. And don't forget, uh, Connor Lacouve is uh, also under contract yeah. <laughs> uh, in the AHL and uh, and uh, he is uh, playing in the ECHL. Um, before um, we, we we got so much response this week. Uh, we got response on the trades. Um, we've, we've been getting texts and emails on our, uh, social media and, uh, head to the, the all Habs fan page on Facebook. There's, um, uh, tens of thousands of, of fans who are offering their opinions there on the trades on the, on, uh, the, the, the best of the season. And, uh, you're welcome to join in there. Uh, I've got a really nice, uh, text, uh, uh, our friend Dino Le Petite Bill has been very busy this week. I've, I've been getting texts and, and emails from him, uh, almost every day. And, um, he talks about, uh, just keeping the faith, got to keep the faith and confidence for the team. Uh, we may not get there this spring, uh, to the series. Maybe we will. Uh, but soon we will be, be con- uh, contenders, uh, I believe. So he's, he's, uh, he's taking, Um, He's not lost hope yet for the playoffs, but realistically saying it's going to be difficult, uh, but trying to uh, uh, remind us that there's a a bigger picture here. Uh, He said, we need to keep our young players prospects and not send them away as we've done in the past. Uh, There will be uh, the Canadians will be uh, serious for the cup in the coming seasons. I believe that happy new year to everyone at all Habs hockey magazine. Thank you for ten years of great coverage with Rocket Sports, hopefully more. Uh thanks for covering uh the Canadians, thanks for covering the Ice Caps, the Bulldogs, Brampton Beast, Laval. Yes, we've done all that over the last decade. Yeah. <laughs> um and so uh a really nice uh, uh positive kind of email as we like to uh end the episodes. Uh not only for the the Canadians organization, but also uh, for Rocket Sports looking forward to uh, this this year and also this decade.
1: Absolutely. And it's great to hear from uh, Dino. His positivity is always appreciated. And uh, as you mentioned, uh, all those teams that we cover, there will be coverage tonight. The Montreal Canadiens playing the Pittsburgh Penguins, the Laval Rocket uh, hosting the Syracuse Crunch. So uh, certainly follow along on Twitter for all that coverage, the game previews, live tweeting during the game, and the game recaps. Uh, and uh, you can follow along on that coverage on twitter and uh yeah so we'll be back with you next week discussing all things montreal canadians and seeing how all of this turns out with Ilya kovalchuk uh this as the saga sort of continues for this season the uh roller coaster ride that we've been on since uh, since puck drop back in october but uh, we will be back next week discussing all things montreal canadians so uh, that'll be at 1 p.m eastern 2:30 30 newfoundland time we look forward to it thank you for tuning into the canadians connection podcast here on rocket sports radio
0: For the latest news on the Montreal Canadiens, follow us on Twitter at Connection and visit allhabs.net.